want to talk to you about Joshua chapter 23 and verse 10. Joshua 23, 10. I'm going to read Joshua 23, 8 through 14, but that's actual 10 is the emphasis. If you, I don't know if you mark your Bible. I, I have always marked my Bibles. I think it's really helpful for me. A lot of real smart people that I have talked to about how do they remember things, they mark their stuff up. I knew a guy with a photographic memory. His stuff was completely marked up. Unbelievable, but he could remember everything. But yet he still marked it. I started marking my Bible early on, 18 years old, highlighting it, underlining it. I still do it. I was reading the Bible last night, and I saw some stuff. I thought, wow, put a mark under there. And when the Bible gets so you can't read it, I just go get another one. You know, just start marking all over again. And may God let that. One of my, one of my, uh, I think this is not a bad thing for any of us to have. One of my desires is that I would know the Bible. I, I believe we receive not because we ask not. I'm just, I'm just simple enough to believe that if I ask God to know the Bible, he's going to let me know it. But now that doesn't mean I don't have to read it, right? It doesn't mean I'm going to have to pursue him. Seek the Lord with all your heart and you'll find him. But, uh, so I, but that's one of, been one of my lifelong goals. I want to know the Bible. I mean, you can't know only so many things in life. You can't only have only so many realms of knowledge that you have a mastery of. Real smart people may have two areas that they get a mastery of, just two. Many of them only one. But they actually have a mastery of that area. They know everything there pretty much is to know about that area and everything written about that area. That's what they call PhD, supposedly philosophy doctrine. But uh, it's a great idea to go before God and say, I want to know the Bible. If anything in my life, when it comes to an end, I want to have pursued you. I want to have pursued you. I want to know it. And he said, if you know me, Jesus said, to know me is having life everlasting. I think that's all good stuff. Joshua made something profound clear to the children of Israel. Now, in Joshua 23, it's the end of his trail. It's the end of his work. It's the end of his ministry. And so anytime you catch somebody at the end of their ministry, you ought to probably head, go a heads up because the things they're saying are not just talking to fill in the gaps. They're, they're telling you stuff that is really on their heart. I think of 2 Timothy. The book of 2 Timothy is the last words of Paul the Apostle. This is swan song. You ought to take a real deep look at 2 Timothy. That's where he said, I fought a good fight, you know, finished the course. And uh, in this Joshua chapter 23, is the end of Joshua there, Joshua's seen God take a bunch of builders, not, not warriors, but builders, take them into a nation of warriors with high walls, impenetrable, unconquerable. And he's seen God do it. Seeing God do the impossible, take Jericho by just shouting, and the walls of Jericho fell down. On and on and on he saw. Hazor, which was the chief city of the north, was every bit as big as Jericho and impenetrable. I've been there. I've watched. I've looked at it. I've walked through Hazor, walked through Jericho, and they would have been, for, with the tools they had, there was no way in the world the weapons they had they could have taken those cities. God did it. So he saw him. He says, I'm going to send the hornets, 
those killer hornets we remember? I'm going to send the hornets ahead of you to drive them out. I got thinking about that. You know, if you didn't have any hornet spray, if you didn't have any insecticide, how are you going to stop hornets? And God says, I'm going to take the hornet, and I'm going to use that hornet to drive them out ahead of you, drive them out. It would be impossible to fight them, right? Stuff like that. God uses. Amen? Well, Joshua reveals a secret tonight. I mean, tonight, yes, to us. I mean, he did it year, you know, years ago, of course. But to them, and he, and he let them see something behind the scenes that the Holy Spirit told him to do that only, only behind-the-scenes folks would know, something only God could know, something often missed when one fails or succeeds in life. And let's just read the passage a little 8 through 14 here. But cleave unto the Lord your God, as ye have done unto this day. These are his last words to them, pretty much. For the Lord hath driven out from before you great nations and strong. But as for you, no man hath been able to stand before you unto this day. And this is your text verse. One man of you shall chase a thousand. For the Lord your God, he it is that fighteth for you, and he hath promised you. Now, now brother, you just want to circle, mark that, put something by that. Take good heed, therefore, unto yourselves that ye love the Lord your God. Else if you do in any wise, go back, backslide, that's what they call it, backslide, and cleave unto the remnant of these nations, get worldly. You want, you want to lose God's favor? Start picking up junk of the world and bringing it into your worship bringing it into your service. I'm talking about personally and collectively. doesn't make any difference. You bring in the things that God hates and you bring them into your house or you bring them into your personal life or you bring them into the church of Jesus Christ and it's a sure way of God turning against you rather than being for you because he hates it. He tells you to love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. And that's what he's telling them here. He says, Else if you do in any wise go back and cleave unto the realm of these nations, even these that remain among you, and shall marry marriages with them, and go in unto them, and they to you. And I want you to underline the words, Know for a certainty that the Lord your God will no more drive out any of these nations from before you, but they will be, and look what they'll be. You're seeing this happen in America before your very eyes. They will be snares and traps unto you, and scourges in your sides, and thorns in your eye. How many ever have gotten a piece of sand in your eye? About five, six days ago, I rubbed my eye, and sure enough, some sort of a sharp object got in my eye. And it was like the end of the world happened to me. I mean, just some little grain of something. Got into my left, got into what I was in my right eye. And man, I just couldn't think of anything else, couldn't do anything else, didn't want to do anything else. I wanted to get that thing out of my eye. Uh, sometimes I call up my eye doctor and go in there and have him take it out. I've had him have him do that before. And so it's just something else. He says there are going to be thorns in your eye. I can't even think of anything worse than that. Thorn in your eye? When? Until you perish from off this good land which the Lord your God hath given you. 
United States of America has been founded on the principles of the Bible and the name of Jesus Christ. And if his people called by his name don't humble themselves and pray and turn from their wicked ways and seek his face, he's going to cause the foreigners to come in here and be snares and traps and scourges and thorns in our eyes. And he'll take us off of this good land that he has given us. It'll happen just to us. Why? He'd have to apologize to these folks if he didn't. And behold, this day I'm going the way of all the earth. Now that's a good way of saying I'm leaving. I'm dying. And you know that in all you and you know in all your hearts and in all your souls. Boy, I love this. That not one thing hath failed of all the good things which the Lord your God spake concerning you. All are come to pass unto you, and not one thing hath failed thereof. That's a God we serve. That's a God we serve. And brother, at the end of your life, live for Jesus, you're going to be able to say the same thing that this brother said. And many between him and myself have said the same thing that have lived for him. Not one thing has he failed in. One man, I want to concentrate tonight on this phrase, one man shall chase a thousand. Well, that's phenomenal ratio. One to a thousand is a phenomenal ratio. One guy chasing five guys would be a pretty, pretty wild ratio. One guy chasing a dozen would be notable. One guy chasing a hundred would be wow. But one guy chasing a thousand? That gets my attention. How important is this understanding in the child of God's mind and soul? How important is it for us all these years later to know what our brother has just revealed as a secret to the success of the children of God that are pleasing in his sight? If you'll be pleasing to God and you'll put him first, he says, I'm going to be for you, and if I'm for you, who can be against you? Nobody. And if, I'm, if, you'll be, if you'll be for me, I'll be for you, and I'll help you. But remember the other flip side of that. You go back, because once having known something and being responsible for it, the higher the responsibility, the more judgment. To whom much is given, much is required. That's the principle. And so it's a scary thing in some degree to be able to have access to the Bible. Because if you have access to this book, you've got a lot of high privilege, man. It's a high privilege to have access to this book, basically to know how to read and then have it in your language. Well, that, that means that I'm also accountable for what's in this book, amen, because now I've got the privilege. I can read. I have access to it. It's not against the law. I have, you know, I, there's places that would love to be able to have this book, be able just to look what's in it, in this world that we live. So how important is it to understand a child of God? It's very important. We struggle, we worry, we scrap, scrape around, try to get stuff done. We get stressed out. We spend, we waste energy, struggle through life, trying to be successful, trying to be victorious. When the truth is right under our noses, the victory is the Lord's. The victory is God's. 
Deuteronomy 10, 14, Behold, the heaven and the heaven of heavens is the Lord's thy God, and the earth also with all that is therein, or therein is. We somehow believe that we are going to win the battles, that somehow we inherently are stronger, smarter, better, able to defeat our enemies. We're going to win the race with our own power. We're going to overcome our our adversaries and the adversaries of life with our own abilities. I All I can tell you is no, 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 a thousand times no. The battle is the Lord's. More than what you and I understand, God is in the background doing working for you and working for me. Way more than what we understand, I believe, as an average Christian. Young David, go back to King David, he understood it when he was probably a 17-year-old young man, shepherd boy. 1 Samuel 17, 45, 47, some of my favorite place of all scripture. And then David, and then said David to the Philistine, you know, that's when that, the giant Goliath came out there. I mean, he, he, he made uh, Shaq O'Neal look small. I think, I think this man was about nine foot, six inches tall. I think the, the, uh, the, uh, the point of his spear weighed 15 pounds. His armor was over 100 pounds in total. He had every square inch practically that needed to be covered, covered. He was a man of war from his youth, meaning that's all he ever did was practice how to kill people. And here you got this little shepherd boy, 17-year-old boy, was a shepherd, ruddy, no armor, you know, his outfit, you know, whatever he dressed in, wearing with a sling, he picked up five stones, and went out there. He went on faith, didn't he? He said, let me read it to you. Then comest to me. He says, he says this Philistine, thou comest to me with a sword and with a spear and with a shield, but I come to thee in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom thou hast defied. And he had. This day will the Lord deliver thee into my hand, and I will smite thee and take thine head from thee, and I will give it give the carcasses of the hosts of the Philistines this day unto the fowls of the air and the wild beasts of the earth, and that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. Glory to God. Hallelujah. And all the assembly shall know that the Lord saveth not with sword and with spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hands. Now there again, David revealed a secret that seems like most people don't get. A whole lot more is, a whole lot more in your life is weighing on whether you please God than what you realize. A whole lot more is 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 it's, it's so imperative that you seek the Lord with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind and all your strength. And that you love your neighbors yourself and, and know, both, know the word of God, both Old and New Testaments. And obey what you hear. It's like behind me there. Blessed are hear the word of God and keep it. Not just hear it. Not just go to church. Not just show up. But it has effect on you. It changes you. It changes your plans. It changes where you go to college. It changes what occupation you have. It dominates you. Possesses you. You'll do that for God. You'll give him your life. He says, I'll be with you. 
One man will chase a thousand. Glory to God. You won't have to worry about this big giant. And you know the story, you know. He takes that sling, hits him, knocks him out, goes and cuts his head off, holds the head up. That wasn't a big thing for God to do. It wasn't big. He can do that for us. He does that for us over and over again. I believe you got to get this truth, man. You got to get it. If you don't have it, you got to get it. Your future depends on getting this understanding. Your outcome depends on, on this understanding. Your success depends on this understanding. Your victory will depend on this understanding. Because how can one chase a thousand? It's not possible without God. How can little David kill a professional soldier almost twice his size? It's not possible. How can a group of builder slaves capture the walled cities of Palestine and Canaan and, uh, defended by professional armies? It's not, it wasn't possible. How can a bunch of misfits turn the world upside down? We're talking about the apostles, by the way. It wasn't possible. Well, the list could go on and on through the missionary heroes, both then and contemporarily, the pastoral heroes, the pilgrims that came over, the founding of America are rising to the greatest nation in the world. How in the world did a bunch of rejects, and by the way, that's what we are. Don't you tell me you're royal blood. You're a reject from a soap factory. You got rejected from, from England, most of you people. They didn't want you. And we ran over here, and there's just some place we gave to stay away from persecution. And we weren't no select, woo-woo people. We were, re, we were their rejects. We came over here and God just started plowing ahead of us and everything we touched turned to gold. To where we became the greatest, most powerful nation in the entire world. Only God could do that. Only God could do that. It's unbelievable. And we give God the glory, by the way. Once in my own life, I began to realize this. A lot of tension left my life. See, if I got to make it work, it makes me anxious. It makes me tense. If I'm the one responsible for my success, it makes me nervous, you know, because I'm going to mess up. But if, if, my go if my goal can be to please God and do His will, and He takes care of my success, and He takes care of my future, and He takes care of, and He chases a thousand ahead of me. I'm good with it, and I can, I can relax in Him, amen? I, can, I began to focus my energy on pleasing God and letting Him work out the details of life. Uh, I remember when I've said the story over and over again because it's such a miraculous story to me about when I went to college. I got married at 18 years old, 19, my wife was 18, she had Troy, and was I'm talking about dirt poor, dirt poor. Had a Volkswagen Bug, 69 Volkswagen Bug, that when you drove it in the winter, you had to have an ice scraper for the inside of the vehicle. How many remember that? Some of you Yankees? You had, to, you had to scrape the inside of it. Now, I only would scrape usually about a hole that big around, just enough to get my head and look and look where I was going, you know. So I believe I think, by the way, that Volkswagen bug never got warm. Never got warm. We'd drive that thing across town. And because the engine was mounted in the back, it was air-cooled, 
and it was cold outside. It never, the engine barely got warm. Forget the inside of the cab. That was a horrible design that Hitler did. Eighteen-year-olds going to school. God came upon me heavily and said, you got to go to school. I didn't want to. I didn't like school when I was in sixth grade. I didn't like school when I was in third grade. I didn't like school when I was in first grade. I didn't like school when I was in eighth grade. I didn't like school when I was in tenth grade. I didn't like school when I graduated. I didn't ever want to go back to school. The happiest day of my life was when I got out of high school. I thought, that's it. It's over, done, finished, fine, over. May I never see another teacher and have to sit under them again. Then God comes by. He said, no, you're going to school. I said, going to school? Where would you have me go? Well, not just any school. I went to a school that made you get up at a certain time, made you go to bed at a certain time, checked the sink for hair, made you, made you vacuum the floors, make your bed, checked, made sure you made the bed right. They'd come in and inspect you. At 11 o'clock was light bell. You had to go to bed at 11 o'clock. And the guy would walk in your door at 11 to see everybody was in bed. If you weren't, you got in trouble. had to go to D.C., the discipline committee. And I mean, man, oh, man, I've never been treated like that. I wasn't treated like that at home. And I, used to, I said, you know, I'll go anywhere but Bob Jones. Bob Jones, why don't you go to Bob Jones? I just couldn't get away from it. I didn't have any money. It was 1750 bucks a year. Now, don't you laugh at this. $1,750 a semester, 3500 bucks a year. That was a fortune. That was a fortune. That was, that was more than I ever dreamed I could. But, you know, I made my, I made my mind up. I wasn't going to let my mom and dad float me. I thought, if there's a God, he can, he can help me make the money and pay for that, though I didn't know how in the world that was going to happen. I told my mom and dad, I don't want any money. I don't want you to help me. Well, that made him happy. My mother would call me up and say, Nehemiah, I said, no, I don't need money. I was lying. I was broke. No groceries. My wife said, we got no money for groceries. I said, and you know, yeah, I've told you this before. I'd have my little rants and raves about tithing. We'd tithe. We starved to death. We're going to tithe. We never, died. we never starved to death. I don't remember missing a meal. I remember some of them being pretty bad, but I don't remember missing a meal. What did God want to do with me? He wanted to show me he was. And there was none else. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. When you test God, he will come true for you. But let me tell you, it'll look skinny. My little woman, her faith would get weak. and She'd come in and she'd bleed on me about it. Well, man, if she knew how close I was to running... She wouldn't have cried fire. Because I, I was just, my, my faith is about what's between my fingers. And, you know, she'd come in and she'd say, you know, Bill, you know, you're, you know we don't have any money this whole week and da-da-da-da-da. And we go, I'd say, you know, I'd say, just, there's a God in heaven and I'm willing to work as many hours as he wants me to work. And I'm just, you know, I'm here and he's got to help me. I'd go before him in prayer and he'd help me. The job would come up out of the blue. One will chase a thousand. I'd get work just enough to make it, go forward. Eventually, I graduated from Bob Jones University. 
in seven short years. With no debt. With no debt. And a 3.5 grade average. And that was only because my early years pulled me down a little bit. Towards the end, I was getting straight A's. Me? Me? I never looked at myself like that. One will chase a thousand. <laughs> There's a God. I think of Barrows having those kids and people in the church, Hubers, Barrows. You have children, it's a risk. It's a big risk. You're sticking your neck way out. But God is going to take care of you. If you please God, make, make Him number one, even over Disney. Now I'm meddling now. I quit preaching, I went into meddling. But make him number one. He'll take care of your children. He'll take care of them. What if this? What if that? Don't have to worry about all that. Whatever God does, God's will, and it'll be all right. He's going to take care of you. I went down to Haiti years ago in 1984. I think 84 with you was my first trip, and I went back every year for a while. And I got rebuked. I got rebuked by the faith of those people. They rebuked me. They didn't do it. They didn't know what they were doing. I go down there and old Serge Fayette got seven children of his own, birth children, and he adopted seven. He was poor as a church mouth. Poor. Poor. The country's poor. <clears throat> the economy's poor. They got no nothing. They got no social security, no national health, nothing. They got nothing. No underpinnings. All they have is God. I got around them guys and I started feeling the heat. Started feeling the heat of the faith. You know what I mean by that? You start feeling the heat. This is what I got to have. Boy, they make me look like I don't have any faith at all, you know? And I said to Serge, you mean to tell me you've raised all them kids? Well, when I started in 85, they weren't all raised. But in the meantime, he's raised all seven of his own kids. And all seven of the other adopted kids are all big. They're all growing. They all got families of their own. Why don't chase a thousand? People say, I can't have more than three kids. How am I going to afford it? I guess your God's small. That's why. You got a little small God. You don't have much money. How much money, you know? Past four kids, I couldn't afford. I don't see how you can afford four kids. I can't afford nine kids. I remember when we had a, a, a group, a family come here, had ten kids. What was their name? Ten kids, they all sang together. Phenomenal. That was one of the best meetings in the entire time I've been to Gospel Baptist. That, that week that those, that family was here, 10 children of his own. 10. 
But man, what a blessing those were. I forgot how many there were, who was girls, who were boys. I know how many, 10, but I don't. But they sang, played guitars, sang, and they got some CDs. And what was the name of them? Marshalls. Is that what you were saying? No. Man, I think I'm going crazy. It was a Marshalls. It was a Marshalls. Marshall family. Marshall family. Wow. I believe if you realize that God is, if God be for you, who can be against you? And God leads you. You'll know, you'll see God work behind the scenes for you. You'll see him make a way for you, open doors for you, empower you, encourage you. If you will just love him and please him. Joshua's confidence and David's confidence was in God's ability, not their ability. So how big's your God tonight? Can he really do anything? Does he really care? Is he real with you? If not, get right. Because he is. And he does care. But you've got to come to him and realize that. Let me just tell you what the Bible says about it. John 14, verse 21. He that hath Jesus' words, he that hath my commandments and keepeth them. Now that's the, that's the conditions. He it is that loveth me. People come up and say, I love Jesus. And if they're disobeying God's word, they're lying. If you love God, you'll keep his commandments. It's the Bible. There ain't no interpretation here. I'm going to give you a couple verses so clear about that. He that hath my commandments and keepeth them, he it is that loveth me. And he that loveth me shall be loved of my Father, and I will love him and will manifest myself to him. Uh, old A.W. Tozer said, there's nothing better than the manifest presence of God. And I say amen to that. John 14, 23, a couple verses from there goes, Jesus answered and said to them, if, any man will, if a man will love me, he will keep my words. There it is again, the condition. If you love me, it's going to line up with your words, with his keeping his words. And my Father will love him and will come unto him and make our abode with him. Woo! That's how one chases the thousand. So I conclude with this. How, where shall my concentration be in life? Well, it should be on keeping God's word, right? Keeping his word and loving him. If I keep his word, I love him. If I don't keep his word, I'm not, I'm not loving him. And the rest of it is going to work its way out. And I mean, it'll work its way out not as you see fit, but as God sees fit. You got to let him, in my life, it did not, my life has not worked out according to my plan. I had a plan. Man, I had a plan in my life, and it has not even close to that plan. But it's a better plan than I had for sure. And I believe if you get it, you'll see God work. And as you move along, 
he'll chase a thousand. A thousand demons will run. A thousand problems will be invisible. Now, you don't have to see them all run to know that they've run. They've run. A thousand accidents will not happen. A thousand diseases will not happen. A thousand failures will not happen. Because you, as a child of God, will chase a thousand. Father, help us tonight. Help us, help us, help us. We cry out for your kind, tender mercies upon us. May we have a a degree of dedication that's just real and honest and and, and, uh, trustworthy, real and... Father, just pray that God, you just explain to us what I could not explain through the blessed Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. If you would like to know more about the Lord Jesus Christ, you may contact us at the church website, gospelbaptistchurch.com, or you can go to Facebook and type in Gospel Baptist Church Bonita Springs, Florida. Also, you could call the church office at 239 239- Thank you and God bless.